This is episode number 37 with founder and co-CEO of Expertify, Harpreet Singh. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today and now let's make the complex simple. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. Super excited to have you on board. And today we've got a very interesting guest. Today we've got the founder and co-CEO of Expertify, Harpreet Singh. So what you need to know about Expertify is this is a huge online marketplace for data science. So basically companies come along to Expertify to post their problems, their challenges that they're facing that can be solved or that they think can be solved with data science. And then data scientists actually bid for those projects to participate or to solve those projects. And at Expertify, they have a total of a staggering 30,000 data scientists. And so how do they have so many data scientists? Well, because it is a marketplace where anybody can come and apply to be part of this marketplace. So basically, you could go to Expertify, submit an application, and become a data scientist that has the opportunity to bid for these projects, to participate in these amazing projects that are changing the world. So in this podcast, you'll get to know more about Expertify and how they operate. And also, you'll get a good overview of what other services they offer, which are uh, some interesting ones, such as education. And Harpreet will actually make a uh, first-time public announcement about a new project that they're launching. Plus, in this podcast, I could not resist the temptation to use this opportunity to actually ask her pre about all these applications of data science, machine learning, analytics, deep learning to real world projects. So in this podcast, we're actually going to go over four real world case studies of uh, how data science has been applied to different industries. We'll talk about industries such as marketing and medicine, uh, predicting insurance fraud, prognostic analytics, and the internet of things. So this is a podcast you definitely don't want to miss. Buckle up for a fun ride. We're going to talk about so many different applications of data science and you're definitely going to have a lot of takeaways from today. And without further ado, I bring to you my good friend, founder and co-CEO of Expertify, Harpreet Singh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I've got a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Harpreet Singh, calling in from Boston. How are you, Harpreet, today? I'm very well, Carol. How, how are you doing? I'm doing great as well, especially having you on the show. Um, Harpreet is the founder and co-CEO of Expertify, a huge online uh, learning platform, and not just learning, it's a huge data science uh, platform uh, launched through the Harvard Innovation Lab. So this is going to be a very exciting podcast, especially for those of you looking to break into the space of data science or get some education or get some experience on data science. Super excited about this. Harpreet, how are you feeling about the podcast? I'm very excited to be speaking with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, all right. So to get us started, uh, could you uh, give us a bit of an overview of Expertify? What is Expertify? What do you guys do? So yeah, so Expertify is a platform uh, where we have curated 
a very large number of data scientists for on-demand consulting and training. Uh, you know, we have 30,000 data scientists, perhaps the largest platform in the world, uh, where companies can come to us and seek experts uh, for various use cases that they're working on. Also, companies can leverage the same practitioners to upskill their own workers, uh, their own uh, professionals within their firms. So, uh, you know, there's a, a very interesting dynamic going on that there is a, on, if you look at the macro um, trend, there is this growing scarcity of uh, data science talent. And uh, it's only going to get worse. And companies are realizing that. And they want to equip themselves with their own uh, in-house staff so that they don't have to rely on outside consultants. Uh, so uh, so training is also a very important area for us uh, that we're fulfilling a need in a very different way than the traditional companies out there. Gotcha, gotcha. That, that's very interesting. Just in all of that, I have so many questions. So probably the first one is 30,000 data scientists. I'm, I'm assuming they don't all work in one same building. How did you build up that capability? Where, where are these people located? How, how are they connected? And how, how did this all come to be? Yeah, so, you know, uh, marketplaces are extremely hard to start, uh, you know, because you have a chicken and egg problem. Unless you have the uh, demand, you don't get the supply. And unless you have the supply, you don't get the demand. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> getting that started was quite hard. We we were lucky, however, that we started three years ago. We were first to market. Uh, we got some very good uh, media coverage in the beginning with the TechCrunch, Forbes, Mashable, Wall Street Journal, and the like. And that kind of propelled us in the limelight. And, uh, uh, you know, because we were the only consulting platform, many data scientists decided to join us. And once the project started flowing in, you know, then marketplaces are like a machine. They, they, they kind of work themselves. And uh, we've been growing since, you know, and uh, the the supply is growing very nicely and the demand is also, uh, you know, uh, growing because uh, there is a real need out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to, to understand it better, basically, it's a marketplace where a company can come in and post their data science problem and then uh, data scientists come in and uh, bid on uh, who is going to be solving it. And then they build a relationship and uh, that's how where it goes from there. Is, is that about right? Yes. Uh, however, there is a, a high-touch aspect to the service we provide because unlike other disciplines or other marketplaces, data science is quite complex as a uh, field, and uh, you know, and and the the problems also uh, can be very complex. Uh, and every problem is so unique because the data that a company possesses, the format that data may be in, and other systems that the data interacts with or comes out of is also quite unique. So we provide a account management team that specializes in data science and uh, in various verticals. So if you are coming from oil and gas or retail, we have an account manager for you that understands that industry and then works with you to articulate that use case and translate that into a, a project description. So once that project description has been articulated, then we put it on the uh, on the platform. Yep. And uh, we have an algorithm that invite you know looks at who are, who are the best matches for this project, and then those people are invited to come and provide a proposal. 
and you know even though these are all bids it's never the cheapest uh, or the most cost effective resource that 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 um, wins it's always the person most qualified so you know you'll see rates ranging from uh, $100 all the way to uh, $300 $400 on our platform per hour uh, yeah per hour yes wow. yeah, this is US US dollars yes but that's still a a, a very uh, uh, quite a quite a bargain because uh, if you're going to go to a big four professional services firm, or if you go to a larger consulting firm, uh, you know, they, they are looking at uh, much larger, uh, I, I, I guess the, the cost is much greater there uh, and uh, could be run into six or seven figures. Whereas on XProfi, a proof of concept on average costs ten to twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and I, I, to- I can totally agree with that. I, I, I test to that having... Uh, worked at a big four consulting firm. I worked at Deloitte, and the fees, of course, are much greater. It, it's on the other hand, uh, what Expertify charges uh, or the the fees that are available on Expertify are very uh, good, both for clients and for data scientists, right? So somebody working in the space of data science, being an individual data scientist, having an opportunity to uh, make a hundred to four hundred dollars an hour, that's a very very good. Uh, price, especially for type of like freelance type of um, uh, work when you're not really committed to any consulting firm or uh, company. So in with that in mind, it, can data scientists listening to this podcast somehow get onto Expertify and become part of this talent pool of 30,000 that you have currently? Absolutely. You know, we, we are always looking to expand uh, our pool of experts. And uh, it's very simple. You uh, go to expertify.com and you sign up. There's an application process you have to go through. You fill out the application. Uh, you know, we, we pull in your LinkedIn profile as well uh, so that you don't have to do a lot of hard work. Uh, and uh, and basically, then we review the application and uh, and, and see if you are a good fit for the platform. Mm-hmm. That's very that's very interesting. And what uh, determines a good fit so that uh, people listening to this podcast can be prepared or maybe start thinking in the right direction? Uh, what what is deemed a good fit? Like num- maybe a number of years of experience or different uh, variety of tools. And what are the things that you look out for the most? Well, we uh, data science is uh, you know something that you can't just learn part time. You know, it requires years of education, you know, some quantitative education, not necessarily data science education. Uh, You know, for example, you may be someone who studied theoretical physics and uh, that kind of a person deals with a lot of data and would make a terrific data scientist. So we we look for relevant education and we also look for relevant experience. Uh, And, you know, in in the application, it's very good to talk about the kind of use cases you, you may have worked on. And uh, so the tools are not so important uh, as the the actual, you know, ability to work with large amounts of data or to think analytically. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, speaking of education, uh, you guys have your own educational platform, and I'm proud to say that uh, I have uh, a course published on Expertify. So that 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 was uh, a very interesting start to our relationship, and I'm I'm very excited about that and. 
I can see people that are taking this course and are excited to learn data science. So um, with that, tell us a bit more about your educational platform. How many courses do you have? Who is it tailored towards? And uh, like how many, what, what are the volumes of students coming through right now? Yeah, so I, I mean, I want to pre- preface that that you know your course is a terrific one, um, and uh, you know it's it's uh, really uh, something that people are taking quite a bit, and uh, we we see a lot of enrollments, and uh, people are really benefiting from that uh, Tableau course uh, on visualization. Yeah, so, <clears throat> but yeah, so you know we we um, the reason you know maybe I can take a step back and tell you the genesis of this platform uh, and and you know how it began yep. like you know we we started as a consulting marketplace and we've been talking about that uh, briefly uh, and but while we were you know providing this uh, consulting we noticed that a lot of companies were coming to us and posting projects related to training uh, for example university of california at davis uh, came and posted a project on, uh, you know, that they wanted to launch a data science program and they were looking for experts. Uh, and, you know, this was two years ago. And uh, and and then many uh, Fortune 500s were also uh, struggling to find subject matter experts. For, for example, someone came to us and said, you know, I need someone who can teach supply chain optimization. Uh, or, you know, I need someone who can teach how do you analyze certain kind of healthcare data. And so those kind of courses are not available anywhere, or not even on the MOOCs. Uh, so, uh, so you know, because they tend to be the MOOCs are a great place to learn for the sake of learning, to to build that foundational knowledge. And and you know, they they're providing a very important function uh, because uh, uh, you know much of the education is free, and uh, you can really learn something that the basics of something. But as you want to progress into uh, something that is uh, more industry specific, something that requires understanding of a domain and uh, the use cases within that, then you really have, you know, to learn from someone who's working in the trenches, uh, you know, someone who is actually doing that every day. Uh, and the reason for that is that these technologies are changing so rapidly uh, that an academic cannot help you. Uh, in, in in understanding that kind of content. Uh, so we find ourselves in a very good place because we have access to the best thought leaders in the industry. They're, they're on the platform consulting. And we are able to also look at which use cases are hot, right? Which use cases are actually uh, being requested in the consulting context. <clears throat> so uh, So we can combine the thought leadership of our experts and also the project-based work we're doing and say, okay, these are the projects, you know, for example, in, in, um, in the context of uh, media and advertising or uh, retail, there, there are use cases like recommender systems that, you know, every retailer wants to have, right? So every retailer is trying to build a recommender system uh, that may look like a Netflix uh, recommendations or what Amazon's doing. And uh, and we've executed dozens of such projects. And uh, so when we think about creating a course, right, we we we're, we are seeing where the trends are in the in the retail industry, and we are building a retail track for retail companies. So we know which courses are important, even though the the retail managers themselves may not know, right? Or the the chief learning officer at a large retailer is a generalist, right? 
So that chief learning officer isn't really aware what kind of uh, courses they should be offering uh, to their employees. Uh, you know, they're, they're thinking in broad sense of, you know, I want to facilitate digital transformation of my company. So I should look at data science, big data, but they don't really know what to offer. So we can then go into our, this, uh, you know, library of projects we have, we are performing and, and make recommendations. And often we, we see ourselves co-creating these courses with our industry partners uh, so that that's what makes us very unique, and um, and you know we we are more focused on the B two E model than B two C. Uh, so we are partnering with uh, companies uh, like Duracell, uh, and uh, you know we we've done some text analytics training recently for uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Uh, we've even had uh, some of our experts fly into uh, India f- to to uh, present a training program for the executives at Tata Teleservices, which is a telecom company uh, in one, one of the largest in India. So, um, so you know, we, you, if, if you're looking for uh, training in emerging technologies uh, like Internet of Things, certain types of industry analytics, then we are a much better venue than others that exist out there yep. because we have the courses. Yep. And so, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So that, that's interesting um, that you mentioned that because that was my next question. How how Expertify actually differs to uh, platforms out there like Udemy and uh, and Coursera and so on that offer either free or near to free uh, training. And uh, that's a, that's a great answer. Like those places, those marketplaces have merit. They ha- definitely have advantages, and uh, you know they they teach you the. Uh, broad spectrum of data science and the skills that you want to learn. But with Expertify, sounds like you guys are doing something completely different uh, where you're going into what's exactly happening in the industry right now in this specific, uh, in these specific use cases. And then from there, you're extracting the right uh, knowledge. You're finding the right uh, instructors to create uh, that content and offer it to your clients so that they can get upskilled in a very laser specific way in what they need. Um, and with that, you mentioned you uh, mostly deal with uh, B2B clients and uh, definitely if anybody's, uh, like we have a few, um, like about 10% of the listeners um, either own their business or are entrepreneurs and definitely check out Expertify if uh, you know you are looking to upskill yourself or your team in uh, data science. But uh, for the majority of our listeners, is there still an option for people to take these very interesting courses if they are just a, a client, if they're not a business? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, we are an online platform and uh, all the courses are available online. So you, it's as simple as finding the course you like and uh, or a learning path for that matter, you know, and, and just clicking on uh, enrolling, uh, you know, the enroll button rather. And enrolling that course. So yeah, we we, we don't um, you know when when we think about our go to market strategy as entrepreneurs uh, or or as a business, we are that's where we are you know we are selling primarily to uh, the our, our business clients uh, in a B two B fashion. But uh, but there is still a very large population of students who are enrolling uh, in the courses who are just consumers. We have uh, for example. University of Alberta in Canada, they're they're having their students enroll in our data science certification program. So we have a certification (laughs) program, uh, which uh, is uh, 
you know, five courses. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the first course on probability and st- st- statistics using R is taught by a Harvard professor. Uh, and uh, the, you know, so Michael Parson and Caitlin Hagen, they're the two. Uh, Caitlin is at uh, Harvard Medical School and Michael Parson is at the Harvard uh, University in the Harvard College. Yep. He's been teaching for 30 years, uh, in, you know, this content. So fantastic for folks to learn from. And then there's a course on uh, probability and statistics. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the on, on data wrangling uh, using R. And that course is taught by Connie Brett. She's uh, used to be the founder. She was the founder of Analytics Incubation Center at Cisco. And then there's econometrics course taught by Alan Yang, who's a professor at Columbia University. And uh, and then there are others, uh, you know, from from the industry, uh, from Target and other uh, major corporations who are teaching in that track. <clears throat> so so you know we we are trying to develop these certification tracks or learning tracks, so that you can say that okay, I want to become a fraud and risk analyst, someone a data scientist who specializes in fraud and risk, or a data scientist who specializes in retail analytics. And then we will provide a pathway to take five or six courses, or perhaps even more, uh, that leads you to that qualification. Uh, so there's a lot of interest in upskilling employees uh, among companies. So you know we we are taking this very uh, specific approach of how do you get someone going from the basics all the way to a practitioner in a specific use case. Gotcha, gotcha, and that, that's very interesting. I just wanted to comment on uh, how I find it's it's very it's very cool how a university uh, like outsources their main function of teaching students, right? They outsource it to you guys so that they, instead of teaching them, the University of Alberta they send them to you to upskill them on certain topics, and you know that's just a way of them recognizing that some certain skills. Well, I I, I imagine that some certain skills are so cutting edge that they just can't keep up with the university curriculum, and in terms of your uh, comment on the certification tracks, I think that's just fantastic. That's not something you see often and, and in many places. And for instance, like Coursera has certification tracks, but uh, they're like just data science. They're very generalistic certification tracks. And uh, what you're saying about um, a data, like a specific uh, skill set for data science in whether it's uh, a certain industry, whether it's like fraud analytics or it could be uh, predictive analytics or, um, you know, a, different, a certain retail or industry sector. That's, I think that's very valuable. And uh, do you guys provide, uh, upon completion of these certification uh, tracks, and a question that you know, a lot of um, uh, MOOCs get, do you provide a, a certificate of completion that people can show off or show to their employers and so on? Yes, absolutely. So we, we, we do exactly what uh, Coursera and others may do. We, you get a certificate of completion is generated uh, by our systems and you can attach it to your LinkedIn profile the same way you would attach other certificates and uh, and you know very soon we've uh, we haven't announced this yet this is the first time i'm actually talking about this publicly that we are launching a, a assessment platform as well and uh, this assessment platform will focus on different types of skill sets so anyone who hasn't even taken a course on xprofi could go and uh, take an assessment and we will then validate that this person has uh, certain skills and uh, and you know our, our target again here is uh, more of a b2b market where companies uh, or the hr departments are struggling to understand whether someone's a qualified data scientist uh, and uh, so we are giving them a lot of tools to 
uh, say, okay, you, you're hiring someone uh, who understands R and Python in a role where they're going to be doing, uh, uh, let's say, insurance analytics. <clears throat> so how do you validate that this person knows R and Python in the context of insurance analytics and is also, uh, you know, has some of the other skills that you may desire, uh, like uh, understanding of Hadoop and uh, Spark and Scala, right? So we, <clears throat> so we are uh, focused on building these test banks that will be incredibly useful to not only the industry, but also for in, to individuals who can come on to Xprofy and then take these assessments. Fantastic, uh, fantastic. Like, I just, I just want to uh, preface my answer with everybody listening to this. Did you hear that? It's the first time this information is available publicly. I'm so proud that it's been announced on this podcast. That's the first time this ever happened, that podcast has been used as a source to get information out there into the world. So thank you for that, Harpreet. Um, but yeah, assessment platform, I can totally see where you're coming from. It is such a needed thing. Like so many people, I get call questions all the time that, hey, I have these skills, I've taken these courses, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've done this type of work, but how do I prove to employers that I, I have this uh, knowledge that I'm ready. Like I, I, I'm a passionate. Like, and you get these from passionate people who want to make a difference in the world. But their main barrier is the fact that their skills, even though they they're very strong, when you actually speak to them and and uh, they know they're very strong, other people, employers can't see that. And I think this assessment assessment platform. Congratulations on that. I think that's uh, one of the first, if not the first, in the world. So I'm I'm very excited for you guys and. Uh, I'll definitely check it out when it's when it's ready. It sounds like a very very big and exciting thing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. So I I have so many questions. I could keep going and talking on about Xperify for much much longer and uh, just like uh, drilling into uh, what's going on there and how you guys are doing things. But uh, I would like to actually also talk about something else, uh, Harpreet, about some of the very interesting case studies that you. Uh, are sharing about the successes that Xperify is having. So for example, you've posted uh, close to a dozen now articles on LinkedIn about different successes of Xperify. And I've had a look through them and uh, found them very interesting and uh, fascinating. The the way you apply data science to different um, projects and different uh, industries. So are you happy to talk us through a few of those? Absolutely. My, it'll be my pleasure. Okay, awesome. So how about we start with your most recent one? The most recent one uh, just published like uh, like a week ago or so or two weeks ago. Um, artificial intelligence for marketing mixed models in the pharmaceutical sector, reducing costs and boosting uh, sales. So I'm just going to read out a, a couple of figures from here that the pharmaceuticals industry is over 30 billion, over 30 billion dollars is spent on pharmaceuticals annually. This is this is from your um, article. And basically, mm -hmm. uh, it's all about the fact that this is a huge global industry and uh, therefore it provides access to lots of markets for pharmaceutical companies. But at the same time, it's highly, highly com competitive and you need to have effective marketing there. And otherwise you'll end up spending so much money uh, on marketing instead of the actual product. And the product, this, is a, this isn't a high margin product like with online products. This is a physical product that is tangible, that needs to be shipped, that needs to, be, that needs to go places and that people actually need. So uh, you can't afford to spend too much on marketing and therefore um, 
a lot has to go uh, like a lot of responsibilities on data science to optimize that. So um, what's, uh, what were the challenges, opportunities and uh, what solution did you guys come up with at Xperify? Yeah, so yeah, this is a very interesting uh, use case that, as you mentioned, uh, $30 billion are spent on the marketing of these drugs uh, alone, right? So there's, there's uh, additional expense like R&D and others, but we're just talking once you've got a drug that's, right, that's yeah. been approved, <clears throat> that how do you get it, get it out the door? And uh, so you have to influence uh, the physicians and you have to influence others uh, you know, out there to prescribe your drug. And, uh, you know, the patients uh, want to see them, the, you see these infomercials on television. And uh, so it, it's a tricky, it's, it's tricky business. And, uh, you know, so the way we've uh, thought about this problem is that uh, we've, it's all about having access to good data. <clears throat> so the, you know, what we are after is that what are the these pharma companies spending? So, you know, a comp- uh, once a drug is launched, uh, a pharma company may spend over a billion dollars uh, to to uh, to market that drug. So if they can be more judicious, they can save uh, you know lots of money, hundreds of millions of dollars if they are judicious uh, in in how they are spending and if they are able to track. Uh, the uh, you know what what is being the ROI what is being effective what is not so you know it is it is possible today to track the sales of uh, these drugs on a zip code level so you know you, there are these providers who are uh, ca- capturing that data and then extrapolating it to say okay this is how much this drug sold in this week. And uh, and then there are other ways that you know some some uh, drugs are renewed, uh, and so you're looking at renewals as well, and then you're looking at fresh prescriptions as well, and they're all tracked on you know as individual line items for each zip code. <clears throat> so if one can isolate the the marketing for each of these you know regions and uh, and say okay. I had a conference uh, in this region, or I actually ran television ads and radio ads, or I even I had Google ads or, or ads on WebMD. If all of that can be captured, and you one can then uh, create a marketing mix model against the sales, right? And and so you can have a control group where you know in in one zip code adjacent zip code or um or a, a different region altogether uh, you, you don't do certain activities uh and and uh, for example in a zip code you may have a sales rep going uh, to a doctor and doing these uh, you know l- l- lunch conferences where they're trying to educate the doctors by doing lunch and learn sort of activities and then in a different region altogether, you don't do those things. And then you try to compare, uh, you know, what what exactly uh, is the difference in terms of sales, in terms of adoption. <clears throat> so the, by creating these kind of control groups and by, by looking at the data of the sales and the spend, one can then begin to model the spending. <clears throat> and what we've done is we've been able to create machine learning models where you can say that I'm going to spend this much money on uh, radio, this much on television, this much on uh, the you know Facebook ads, and this, and then predict how much sales that's going to generate. That kind of a mix. <clears throat> so and and you know uh, and surprisingly, uh, the, the, these are these models become more and more accurate as you feed more data into them. So, so there's a lot of uh, 
benefit to the pharma companies as a result. Fantastic, fantastic, and uh, uh, that's that's a very good description. And I like the the term marketing mix model. So, guys, it sounds like that uh, that uh, term is going to be picking up in the future. So, that was a good overview of that as well. Okay, so thank you for that. And now I'd like to move on to a case study that is very close to my heart. Uh, I was so it was so cool reading this. I actually shared it around uh, on LinkedIn last week, and uh, like a lot of my students actually responded the same way. It's called the Internet of Things and Prognostic Analytics for Predictive Maintenance in Control Systems. And so, what this talks about is that uh, you have uh, you have huge uh, companies. Well, let's start with, with the basic that uh, we have sensors everywhere, right? For instance, an iPhone has about, you might think it has four or five, but actually it has close to 30 sensors. And that's like uh, sensors about, um, you know, geolocation, about the gyroscope. It's got some uh, sensors on uh, when you uh, like um, audio coming in or uh, light sensors and so on. And there's actually like th- close to 30 sensors. That's just in an iPhone. And everything around us is slowly getting covered with sensors, sensors, sensors and when you connect sensors to other devices all around the internet that becomes the internet of things and like by 2020 we're predicted to have this is from another one of your articles we're predicted to have about 50 billion sensors uh, 50 billion things connected to the internet of things that's more than the whole than the number of people that's gonna we're gonna have on the planet at the time and so this specific case study which you wrote about uh, talks about using this inter hyper connectedness of things to run prognostic analytics and specifically uh, that means maintenance and uh, improving efficiency of control systems um, in, for instance, large uh, plants or uh, like is in um, power plants or uh, airlines or large machinery. And you quote some some interesting numbers. Uh, for instance, um, a just a one percent increase in efficiency of control in airlines um, and therefore prognostic analytics can lead to a cost saving between two to three billion dollars uh, in utilities four to five billion dollars in oil and gas companies five to seven billion dollars four to five billion dollars in healthcare and one to two billion dollars in transport sector and i'm assuming this is um for instance if you have an airplane and you have you're running all these analytics you don't have to wait for something to be even for your data to show that there's a problem running prognostic analytics you can see that uh it has been performing uh, this performance is dropping it's still above average it's still good performance but it's dropping you can see the trend in which it's going and therefore you can um uh, prognosize you can predict basically that something's going to happen uh, and it's going to need maintenance and you can uh, um, account for that maintenance early on Um, can you walk us a bit more about uh, through this case study please yeah absolutely so you know the uh, as you as you mentioned uh, the control systems are in a lot of the heavy industry, heavy industry uh, uses the machinery uses control systems, and these control systems generate tons and tons of data, and the and this has been happening, you know, for for uh, you know 10, 20, 30, 40 years. This is not something recent. That the control systems, by you know definition, they are uh, storing that data, and that data is then. Uh, you know, goes into some black hole. It's never used. Uh, so there is a huge opportunity here for heavy manufacturers. So you know, for example, Siemens happens to be uh, one of the 
manufacturers of control systems. And Siemens, and this is a very highly fragmented market. Siemens probably has 10 to 12% of the market share. So there are many others like that. <clears throat> so if somehow we can take these the data from these control systems, the data that's being generated as the machine works, that if we can take that and build some uh, streaming pipelines into the cloud, uh, and uh, you know whether they go to AWS or somewhere else, then even a private cloud if people are not happy with the a public cloud, and then we can look at this data for anomalies. Uh, we can start uh, you know analyzing this data for preventing ma- preventive maintenance for other things. So you know uh, as you pointed out in these numbers, how much can you save if you just uh, you know improved the efficiency by just 1%, right? These numbers are staggering. So, and and the way to think about this is that uh, if you are in a power plant and your machine fails, someone from Siemens has to get on a plane from a different city, bring that part to your plant and replace that part. And so that is all cost, right? That someone had to rush over there to do this job. But if we start doing prognostic analytics, and I want to differentiate prognostic analytics from predictive main, uh, predictive analytics in the sense that predictive analytics tells us that something's going to fail, uh, that, you know, I'm going to predict that this part is going to fail sometime in the near future. Whereas prognostic in, uh, analytics tells us that something's going to fail in the next two weeks or in the next 10 days, right? So it's it's, it's much more, uh, it, so there is almost a time dimension to prognostic analytics uh, that isn't, uh, you know, so accentuated in the predictive analytics. <clears throat> so, um, so, you know, by, and same thing, you know, how many times has happened uh, where we are trying to take a flight and something goes wrong with the aircraft and uh, then we're sitting there until someone comes and changes that part or fixes that issue. So all of that, again, can be avoided if we are uh, making use of the data that the aircraft has been collecting, but no one's actually making use of that today. So somehow if we can start building these streaming pipelines and if we can start taking the data and start building, uh, you know, preventive maintenance use cases, uh, it, it can be a huge saving to everyone. Uh, and you know, obviously, as as passengers, we would in, in the airplane in the airline context, we would save uh, on the perhaps on the, the the airlines may pass that on to us uh, in in lower airfares, uh, right? So, <clears throat> so I think there is a value chain here that gets impacted as we start to do more of this sort of analytics. Gotcha. No, thank you. Thank you for that. That's a it's a great overview. And I I was actually after that. Um, definition or um, dis- distinguishing uh, terminology from you about uh, prognostic versus predictive, and that's uh, very um, ac- like it's a very good uh, description that prognostic actually has a time dimension to it. All right, that was that was awesome. I hope uh, people are picking up some value from these, and we're moving on to case study number three. Uh, using big data to prevent health insurance fraud. Very interesting space. And uh, as we learned from one of our earlier podcasts, I think it was podcast number five with Dmitry Karnev, that uh, fraud is actually a huge industry. You don't hear about uh, data science and analytics and fraud that much. It's not a huge focus, but especially in the U.S., where um, the legal system is such that a lot of companies uh, are unfortunately in a lot of lawsuits with other companies, 
the of space of fraud analytics is huge. And specifically here, we're talking about healthcare. So some numbers that you mentioned is that um, the National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association estimates that the country has about uh, fraud costs of $68 billion annually. And that's 3% of the whole uh, healthcare spending, which is about $2.26 trillion. And very, uh, some people will be interested to know, I was actually very surprised to know that uh, the healthcare industry that uh, is so large, $2.26 trillion, that's 18% uh, of the GDP of the USA. And it's, it's a huge number. Um, so yeah, so tell us a bit more about, uh, please, about uh, the fraud analytics in the health insurance space. Yeah, no, this is, again, a very valuable use case, fraud analytics, uh, when it comes to health insurance fraud. The the challenge that most insurance companies uh, the uh, you know are facing is that the laws in the U.S. are such that if someone were to submit a claim, a medical billing claim, to a health insurer, they have no choice but to pay it uh, within a, a certain time duration. Uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, two two days or three days, and uh, and and if if the claim is not paid, uh, then the insurer insurer is liable, and uh, you know they can be fined. For that reason, the claims are paid. Uh, you know, like clockwork, as they come in, they are paid, and so one has to get to a point where you can start predicting fraud in real time for this to be valuable. Uh, so, uh, so you know, the, 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 the number of ways in which uh, this can be done and, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the data that is being gathered, the unfortunately today, a lot of the the way claims are paid is through paperwork, you know, it's paper intensive, uh, uh, you know, uh, activity. So the first challenge is that how do you convert that to digital exactly so the digitization and then a lot of progress has been made in the recent years and uh, i'm sure uh, we will eventually get there and then the second question becomes that okay once you've got that uh, then how do you start modeling for fraud and uh, what are the characteristics of fraud that you're looking at and as you start developing and you know here um the one thing that we, we we've learned uh, through our consulting uh, practice is that uh, the better training data you have for a specific use case, the better algorithm you're gonna build, right? So uh, because there's such high volume of fraud and because this is such a big market, it is very po- uh, certainly possible to 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 create these training data sets that are uh, very helpful. And then you can look at, uh, you know, do feature engineering and you can then start looking at uh, which features are the most useful. And, you know, the the features may differ for if, if I'm, um, uh, you know, trying to uh, prevent fraud in the for, for dental insurance versus health insurance. We're currently working on a project, a very exciting project to detect fraud in the life insurance sector. That's even more challenging, but uh, you're right. So, uh, but but it's, it's certainly doable because you don't have to predict everything 100%, right? You can say that, okay, if I can predict with a 70% conf- with 70% confidence that this is fraud, 
then at least someone can take a look and say, you know, let me do some, take these additional three steps to find out what happened or request more information on this particular uh, claim. Uh, so, uh, so you know, so that's the the opportunity here that uh, we don't have to build models that are 100% accurate. We, we we can still build you know models that are useful. And then there is some intervention, human intervention, to get more information before a claim is paid out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's that's definitely going to be useful. And uh, again, it's such a huge industry. It's just it's just mind blowing that uh, sixty eight billion dollars. That's uh, you know whoever solves that problem. That's uh, that's a that's a multi billion dollar analytics company waiting to be created right there. Um, so thank you again for that overview. And like, I'm just looking at the number of different case studies that you have uh, so kindly shared with uh, everybody. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, I'm getting um, like torn apart. Uh, we, we've we done three and we definitely have uh, time for at least one more. And so what I suggest, I would like to suggest is if you could, could you choose the best one that you, like, what would you like to talk about? What is your, in your view, like one of the most, uh, successful breakthroughs that you guys have had at Xperify, and if you could share that with us. Yes, I mean, you know, there are a lot of uh, very exciting things we are doing in the IoT space, and that doesn't get sp- talked about enough. And uh, so, you know, we, we had a very interesting project uh, that we embarked on with Gulf Oil, which is, uh, you know, has they have gas stations, uh, and this was, uh, you know, G- Gulf Oil out of Mexico. And uh, their franchise there, and they they had a wonderful idea of, you know, how do you differentiate yourself from other similar uh, businesses? And one way is that, you know, if you are a full service gas station, then you have to add more value. And, you know, how how do you do that? And so we started with that question. And we, you know, the way we work on at Xprofi is that we start with generally when there's a big question, we start with a roadmap of some kind of a visioning exercise of, uh, so someone who's done this sort of thing before will, uh, you know, sit down with the client and, uh, you know, uh, see what are, what, what does the roadmap look like and what are, what is the project, uh, you know, the, what does the ROI look like once we are done with that, uh, you know, roadmap. <clears throat> so we, we thought it was a huge customer analytics opportunity that if you could somehow using IoT identify who the customer is as they drive into the gas station. So, you know, there are a number of ways of doing that. You can use computer vision uh, or image analysis to uh, look at the license plate of a car, or you can, you know, use beacons uh, and, uh, you know, install beacons in these gas stations. And uh, in your mobile app, you would, uh, you know, or the Gulf app, you would have uh, the, uh, uh, you know, identity of the person uh, who's just driven into the gas station. And now you can say that, oh, by the way, the gas price is uh, $3 a gallon. But because you're such a loyal customer, because you've been here twice already this week, uh, we are going to give you the you know lower the price for you to 275 a gallon uh, and and and, uh, and you know and then you could say by the way this person also is uh, you know buys coffee from the convenience store every time and uh, so they can be given that uh, while they're in their car 
uh, right? Because you already have the pattern of spending. Uh, and similarly, you you know, in, in economies like Mexico, where they, this experiment is going on, <clears throat> there, there is this need for prepaid cards and uh, uh, things like uh, how do you, you know, if you want to send a package uh, uh, through courier, often the gas stations t- t- end up being the location where the courier services are also installed. So a lot of these value-added services like prepaid cards and other things can be added. Even, you know, folks don't have printers in their home, so you could even have a way to print things. And the gas station attendant on their app uh, can, uh, you know, provide these value-added services and and bill the customer seamlessly without accepting any cash. It happens all electronically. So those are the kind of things that we are doing on Xprofi. And, uh, you know, they they have the uh, potential to really reimagine how uh, you know work gets done in these industries that are so boring and they haven't changed in a hundred years uh, and uh, thanks to IOT and uh, analytics uh, we are going to start seeing a shift uh, where new models of doing business emerge and uh, you know we, we are very excited to be an enabler in this space wow that's that's fantastic that's such a interesting case study of uh, in, in personalizing services through data science and, and not just data science, machine learning, deep learning, you mentioned computer vision, image recognition, uh, facial or number plate recognition. That That is the full suite of analytics at play. So thank you so much for that. It Like just these case studies are so useful because they broaden people's horizons on what can be done with analytics, on how much power analytics has uh, and data science has and machine learning has and uh, how it's, embedded is becoming more and more embedded into all of these different industries. So thank you so much for sharing that. I've got um, a couple of uh, questions uh, leading towards the end of this podcast. First one I'd like to ask you is, what would you say is the secret source for being a data scientist? I mean, like, I don't usually ask this question, but you have seen so many data scientists come into ExpertFi, so many people looking for data science skills. You've, you know, you've educated so many data scientists. You've influenced so many data scientists. Uh, what would you say is the secret to becoming successful in data science? Well, I guess the, the, the secret is to be someone who is able to ask a lot of questions, form a lot of hypotheses, not start with the one particular solution or approach. Uh, because I, the way I look at it, data science is really about asking the right hypothesis, you know, or many hypotheses, and then validating or invalidating those hypotheses. And then you come to some kernel of truth uh, that can then be helpful in that business. Uh, so, uh, so I, I guess the the best data scientists that uh, I know are the ones that uh, you know are are not married to one approach. They are not uh, you know they, they they are always looking for uh, you know answers to a broad range of questions that apply to a particular problem. And the second thing I would say is that there is uh, you know do, domain expertise is really important. If you are a data scientist, you know. It's, it's not a good idea to be a jack of all trades. Uh, it's, it's much better to embrace one industry and, you know, develop a fair amount of domain expertise in that industry uh, so that, uh, you know, you, you can have a greater impact in that industry. Uh, so uh, so that, that I think those are the two things that come to mind. 
Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's that's very good advice. Yeah. So make sure you're asking the right you're asking the right questions and you're open minded to all of the things that are coming your way and uh, pick an industry and uh, start to specialize to become you know build that influence so people know you as the best data scientist in that specific uh, industry or space. And the other interesting question I had as well, which I'd really be curious to get your opinion on is where, from where you sit, from all the things that you see going on in the space of data science, where do you think this field is going? So what should our listeners prepare for to be ready for the data science of 2020 or the data science of 2025? What, what would you recommend for them? So yeah, I know this this field is changing so rapidly that it uh, you know it would be a fool's errand to make uh, many predictions. Mm. But one thing is for sure that you know <clears throat> there is uh, a lot of automation going on. We have a lot of tools that are developing, and uh, you, you, you know that, that are being developed rather. And uh, <clears throat> the this this is going to be a very exciting space, and it's going to impact every industry and. The industries that are going to see the most change are the ones that have the best data or the richness of data. So those we will see evolving much faster than the others. And uh, if you are in, in such an industry, then, you know, I think it's it's a very good idea to embrace analytics. Even if you're not a data scientist, even if you're a manager, you know, understanding how one can become data driven, how processes can be become can can benefit from uh, different types of analyses is really important uh, you know m- making sure that the company has some kind of a data strategy to uh, capture the right data uh, is an, another important consideration uh, you know the, 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 because uh, companies that are not going to do that are frankly going to you know not not be they're not going to be very competitive they probably won't even exist uh, in in the next five ten years uh, you know it's, it's, it's a bold sort of a <clears throat> assumption but uh, if we look at how many fortune 500 companies exist from the last century you know let's say 1950s uh, you know I, I would say at least 30 or 40 have disappeared right so it, it i think uh, companies that do take data science seriously are the ones that are going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, totally agree with you. And that's some, that's some very interesting uh, advice and uh, like overview of uh, what to expect. And you're totally right. It's, it's evolving so quickly. It's hard to make um, very definitive predictions, but um, very interesting what you said about um, you know, automation and that managers should also look into data science. And I totally agree with you that uh, there's even some predictions that uh, out of the Fortune 500 companies, over half of them will disappear in the next decade just because of what's happening in the space of data science and what's going on. So it's a huge disruptor as, a, as well as an, an, an enabler for companies. Um, so thank you so much, Harpreet, for coming on the show and for sharing all your insights. Uh, how can our listeners follow you or contact you or, you know, get access, more access to all of these bombs of knowledge that like, I don't have a better word for it, bombs of knowledge that you're sharing that, you know, you just write an article and you're like, wow, open up a whole new world of how data sciences have been applied. What, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you? Well, there, there are over 200 uh, projects that are listed on Xprofi, and you can l- look at them in quite a bit of detail in terms of the description of these projects. So you can go to xprofi.com, that's E-X-P-E-R-F-Y.com, 
And you can fi- uh, find me on Twitter at uh, H, my first initial H and last name Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Uh, and uh, we can connect there as well. Okay, beautiful. Um, thank you so much. So guys, definitely check check those out. Check out Xperify and connect with Harpreet on uh, Twitter. And uh, one final question I have for you today. What is your one favorite book that you can help, uh, that you can recommend for our data scientists uh, to become better at what they do? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, <clears throat> it's, it's a tough question. I, I I'm, I'm a voracious reader, and uh, I read a lot. So this, this, uh, there's, but I, one book does come to mind. Uh, thinking about the audience, there is a book by Eric Siegel, called Predictive Analytics: The Power to Predict Who Will Click, Buy, Lie, or Die. Uh, it's, it's a funny title, but uh, you know, what Siegel is doing, he's uh, bringing to life. Uh, the the power of predictive analytics and in the in the context of marketing and uh, it's a fascinating read even if you're not a specialist mm-hmm. okay beautiful thank you and uh, we've already had uh, somebody recommend that book on the podcast previously so eric siegel the power to predict who will click lie buy or die uh, once again thank you so much for it has been a pleasure having you on the show and uh, for uh, to learn all this amazing knowledge that you have to share thank you again Thank you, Carol, for having me. Take care. So there you have it. The amount of knowledge and practical examples of data science application Harpreet shared with us today is immense. I mean, in just that one hour that we had today, we've covered so many different applications from marketing and pharmaceuticals to insurance fraud to internet of things to prognostic analytics which i like so much i think it's a it's a huge space there's a lot of disruption that can happen in prognostic analytics sensors are really dominating uh, the world and uh, but leveraging them not many companies not that many companies are leveraging them to their full potential so that is always going to be a space where you can add value and my favorite part of the podcast is perhaps what Harpreet mentioned about their upcoming assessment platform linked to Xperify. It's definitely something that is needed in the space of data science and it's very cool to see that uh, they are pioneering uh, this uh, feature, they're pioneering this new addition where you can, you will be able to go to Xperify and just tell them about your skills, submit uh, you know, your application perhaps pass some sort of assessment tests and get your skills verified by Xperify so then you can take it to employers, you can take it to different uh, companies to show that you do have these data science skills because a lot of the time we are learning data science, we are educating ourselves and that's what it's all about, right? It's not about that piece of paper that you get at university. Sometimes you, you want to go to university and get the knowledge and uh, you know, go through the experience, but sometimes you just want to learn online. And having a verify a way to verify your knowledge is going to be very, very valuable. And I hope that more and more companies are going to start doing that and following Xperify's example. So there we go. That was Harpreet Singh from Xperify. Uh, definitely go check out Xperify. And if you have some free time, you want to do some freelancing work, or you just want to try yourself out in the marketplace of data science and you think you have the skills, you have what it takes, then submit an application to Xperify and become one of their data scientists in their marketplace. Also check out the courses on Xperify, some very valuable courses. You can also find my Tableau course there and maybe other ones as well. 
And also make sure to follow Harpreet on Twitter so that you can get updates about his articles as well as updates about what's going on at Expertify. And as usual, all of the links, resources and show notes are available at www.superdatascience.com 37. And one more thing for today, if you are enjoying these sessions, if you like this podcast, then we would really appreciate if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a rating or review. That would really help us propel the podcast forward and bring it to more people. And on that note, thank you so much for being here, for sharing this time, for taking an hour out of your day to listen to us talk about data science with Harpreet. And I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>